0: P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler.
1: Good morning to all of you P.I.'s Declassified listeners. My guest today is private investigator Christopher Macalini. He spent over 26 years in Latin America, and he's an expert in Latin American investigations and security. He lives in Argentina, and he's fully bilingual and bicultural. Hi, Chris. Hi, Francie. How are you doing? Very good. And I understand you're not in Argentina today, but you're in Miami.
2: That's correct. Miami.
1: Okay. All <laughs> right. So, Chris, you've had such an interesting career. You had 15 years at the Drug Enforcement Agency, um, DEA. Uh, you were, what, operational and managerial positions in Latin America and the U.S.? Well, yeah, mostly
2: in Latin America. Uh, of course, I started off in the U.S. like all, all DEA uh, is required to do. I'm actually second-generation DEA. My dad was the first DEA agent in Latin America in 1970. And, uh, really? Yeah, and that, that's how I uh, initially moved to Latin America when I was eight years old uh, as a child. Oh. Then I came back and, um, obviously, as an adult, uh, joined DEA and spent 15 years with them. The vast majority in Latin America, though, are dealing focused on Latin America.
1: Well, you must have been quite an asset for uh, DEA since you grew up in, in the area. That it must was, have been great. It was a lot of fun. It was. Yeah. So, so you were the regional intelligence manager based in Bolivia, correct? Yes. And, and what intelligence programs, what countries were you responsible for?
2: I I was responsible for five countries uh, in in Latin America, including uh, Bolivia, um, uh, sorry, Bolivia, Ecuador, Chile, um, uh, Peru, and um, and uh, Paraguay. I'm sorry, my mind went blank there. Sorry, it's been a number of years since. uh, That's in your memory.
1: Sorry about
2: that. Yeah, no, no problem.
1: Uh, well, since uh, since it's in the forefront of the news, did you ever have to deal with El Chapo Gu- Guzman?
2: No, not him, but uh, similar people. Yeah, uh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah, crazy. That's uh, just crazy stuff that goes on down there.
2: It, it, it is. As I said, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was uh, definitely a single man's job. It's not 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 a job um, necessarily uh, to be married with. Uh, yeah. I was called to assist on, um, on one of the investigations, which was the invasion of Panama, and I was called to go for, uh, as the invasion was happening, they asked me to go uh, for six days, and seven months later, I returned home, so... Um, oh,
1: wow. It,
2: it, 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 it's not a job where you can actually have nine to five, so...
1: Yeah, be hard with a family, for sure. Yeah. And and plus, you can't have a lot of communication, right?
2: At, well, back then, it was before the, the era of cell phones, so yeah, it was... Uh, a. <laughs> It made it even more difficult.
1: Exactly. So then, what did you do after you left the DEA?
2: I was hired on by Microsoft as, uh, as head of investigations for them, for the anti-piracy investigations for Latin America. So, I covered all of Latin America, uh, basically trying to um, take down people who are, who are uh, counterfeiting their, their products, uh, mostly Windows and, um, and their um, office products.
1: Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, they take uh, – they pirate those products and try to resell them as their own.
2: Right. I mean, again, this is uh, it was 11 years ago almost now, but uh, back then they were still burning CDs of uh, of counterfeit um, windows uh, and counterfeit uh, office products and then selling them on the local market. So we used to identify those who were uh, – Hiring, they had uh, anywhere between you know 100 to 200 burners going at any given time, and, and uh, burning off copies of, of of the software that then they sold for a couple dollars a piece on, uh, on the informal markets in Latin America. So really, um, nowadays it's a lot different. It's all digital and it's all done uh, via the internet. But uh, that's what we were doing back then.
1: So um, did you go into places that were selling it, or we you, you were obviously trying to uh, capture the source? So how did you go about doing that
2: yeah well there's always most countries in latin america there's there's places where they have informal markets and 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 uh um and, and so that's where you'd start but uh, the ultimate goal was going after those who are actually producing or burning the uh the products mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. uh the retail was was the tip of the iceberg. It's, it's very similar. The uh, anti piracy work is very similar to what we did in the drug in the drug world. Uh, you start at the street level and then you work backwards to those who are actually producing and, and try and take them down. Mm
1: hmm.
2: Mm hmm. For sure. So,
1: and then, uh, how long ago did you start your own company?
2: Um, it's going to be eleven years now. Uh, eleven years. Uh, what what happened was when I was in Microsoft, I was as I said, I was doing work in Latin America and. Uh, I was hiring other people to do the work, and I just felt that we could do a better job than the people that we were hiring, um, and so that was 11 years ago. We, we opened our own company and uh, started off in a small, uh, actually started off on the balcony of my apartment in, <laughs> in Argentina. There uh-huh. was a, uh, a three-foot by six-foot balcony that I enclosed in, and that was my office, um, and that was 11 years ago. Now we have offices in Miami and uh, Paraguay and in Argentina, and we cover all of Latin America. So,
1: And are you still doing anti-piracy?
2: Yeah, we kinds? do a lot of anti-piracy work. We do, uh, um, we're one of the, uh, the the companies that does a lot in Latin America. We have a lot of clients to do it, mostly in technology, but also in pharmaceutical and clothing and, um, and other products as well. So we do a lot of that.
1: Interesting. Well, uh, while we're talking about your company, uh, Chris, why don't you go ahead and give your website so if people want to contact you for that area, they know where to contact you.
2: Okay, thanks. It's
1: www.micww.com. MICWW, so that stands for MIC Worldwide, I guess. That's correct. And what does MIC stand for?
2: Uh, Well, it was McElhinney Investigative Consultants.
1: Okay, all right. Very good. That'll help people remember it.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay. All right. So, um, we're going to talk about uh, core values today. And, uh, you know, um, core values are interesting because they kind of drive us, uh, the guiding principles that dictate our behavior. And so, I know you've run across a lot of situations Mm -hmm. (laughs) where maybe the core values or ethics were kind of challenged.
2: Yes, yes, yes. Uh... And...
1: uh, you have a you you've told a story about something that happened um, in a company a, a south american s- subsidiary you want to talk about that
2: uh, sure sure um it, it, interesting it, like a lot of companies in the United States, what they'll do, I think you're talking about the one on the snacks. Is that, the, is that uh, the uh-huh. story? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, a lot of companies in the United States will offer as part of incentives for their, for their, uh, employees, snacks and drinks and things that they can have while at a, uh, while working at the office. So, uh, a large, um, U S company opened a, a subsidiary in an an unnamed country in Latin America. And, mm-hmm. uh, they decided to offer the same snacks that they do in the United States, and what they found was that the, by the end of the first day, all the snacks that they had put out for the week were gone. And by the uh-huh. end of the week, all the snacks that were, were, were um, set for the month were also gone. So when they went back and started talking to the employees, they realized the employees were actually filling their, their backpacks, as, uh, backpacks and bags with uh, uh, six or seven uh, soft drinks and a, and a bunch of snacks. And so uh-huh. they actually went to the uh, – to the. they spoke with the group and said, look, you know, these are for consuming while at work. And the employees were actually kind of uh, – um, they, 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 they didn't understand the concept. They said, well, wait a second. I'm going to drink these at home. I'm not giving them out to my friends. It's me. So what's the okay. difference if I drink them at work or at home? So they didn't really understand the concept, uh, the difference between taking something that was set to be used at work as opposed to – Taking it home for their own personal use, so that 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 got me to start thinking about um, ethics uh, and and what um, what culture the, the person's cultural background, what what part of the cultural background actually uh, plays a part in an individual's ethics, and the more I started looking into it, the more I realized that the culture, your cultural background. Um, it can define a lot of your ethical values
1: mm-hmm.
2: so so then looking at that in the bigger scope it, it led me to to realize that a lot of big companies in the United States we have this uh, in the United States and Europe and other industrialized nations we have these uh, um, I, I guess our values and we tell people that our employees that we want them to act in an ethical manner and we expect them to act in an ethical manner. But a lot of times what's overlooked is we forget to define what ethical or <laughs> right. what ethics means
1: what uh, does that mean
2: <laughs> yeah i mean and it's, that that's all defined i mean your company's ethics in one in in one country can be completely misunderstood in another country, for example, I know a company that's ethics their uh, their their um i guess ethical basis they say do the right thing mm-hmm uh, and do the right thing can be interpreted in many different ways. It depends on where you come from. So,
1: well, uh, I thought this was really interesting, Chris, because I never really thought about um, like you. I never really thought about that values are are much different in the workplace in other countries. And <laughs> and when you think about it, I mean, we we're, everybody's always talking about the kickbacks that happen in Mexico, for example. Yeah. And that's part of the culture, but. But we're critical of it, right? You know, as 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 American citizens, we're very critical of Mexican. Like, you know, you're going to bribe the police, you're going to bribe the feds, uh, you, you're going to take whatever you can. But it is part of the culture, and and I'm sure that's true in many countries. Yeah, it
2: is, and um and and that's that's something that's hard to break. Um, um when when there's a cultural. I guess, biased that that's the way things are done, um, and that's the way you've always learned that things are done, because somebody comes in and says, you you know, that's not ethically right to do it that way, it may not, that, that may not jibe with your personal ethics, because you grew up um, knowing right, wrong. I mean, there's lines you cross. Um, uh-huh. Maybe paying somebody so you don't get a, a traffic ticket is, is okay, but then there may be another line that you don't cross in how much you pay or what, you, you, know, what, what can be, you can be bribed out of doing. No, bribe your way out of doing. So they have different ethical lines um, in different countries. And, and, again, I'm not making a judgment here because, um, right. you know, I think if, you, if somebody from another country were looking at the United States would find ethical lines there that, that people would look at and say, oh, geez, I don't agree with that at all. But uh, all I'm stating is that, uh, depending on the culture and, and your background, your your level of ethics or the level of ethics in one country may be completely different than the level of ethics in another country.
1: Well, you know, and it's really interesting. This is such an interesting topic and something that um, I'm sure a lot of people have never thought of. We're such a multi. Uh, the United States is such a multicultural um, country. So, and we have all kinds of people. I I know in in our local high school here in California where I live, there's 119 primary languages in this one high school. So right. if you think about that <laughs> yeah. and, and you think about all the cultures that that represents, uh, you know, almost anything goes if, if you think about it. So, so what do you, how, do you, how do you make your workplace a place where everybody's operating on the same level?
2: Well, I think you have to. First of all, I think you have to recognize that that uh, that, that the values and the backgrounds of people are different from, um, and that they all they don't all come from the same place. And once you you recognize that, and you set your company's standards and 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 core ethics of your company, uh, core values of your company, then I think it's it, it's. Um, it's a matter of teaching the people, instead of just saying, you have, to, you have to act ethically, you have to actually go out and tell them, okay, a- acting ethically for us means this, 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 and this. Um, uh-huh. it, it, you, it, you may not agree with it culturally, and you may not understand the culture, but this is the way we want you to act, and if you don't act in this, in this fashion, then there will be repercussions. But I feel if you don't give them that background and that basis, then I think you're doing a disservice because they don't, you tell them to act ethically and they may believe that they're acting in, in, based on their cultural background or values, that they're acting in a truly ethical manner. But Mm -hmm. it differs from what you're you view uh uh, your company yeah
1: yeah that's so interesting well you know uh, actually uh, my husband did an investigation um just a couple weeks ago and I think that exact situation applies he worked for a a cell phone computer repair company and uh one of the um, one of the managers uh, was talking to a customer and they needed a, a specific item out of a Laptop that they didn 't have, and he had one at home, and so he sold the one he had at home to this customer right. and it was uh, an interesting conversation because he didn 't realize that that was wrong, and that he was taking right. money away from the company
2: right 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 well we we, we had the the same situation in and um, I, I discussed this in an article that I wrote too. in um in a, in a company, a U.S. company operating in Latin America, where a person was uh, – it was actually a section. They had a marketing department. They were hiring out um, uh, different parts of, of, uh, um, of, of their contract to different people. And what they were doing was they are getting a kickback on that contract. So they say, I will give you this contract to go build a stand that we need to put in a store, but you give me 10% of it back. So, when we found out this was happening, we found out it wasn 't just one individual initially, we thought it was the, the company thought it was one individual. Uh, when we looked into it it' was not, not only the whole marketing department it had the whole advertising department was doing this and 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 a whole uh, a third section of the company was doing it as well and so, we got everybody together and we actually interviewed them one by one, and they were saying well i 'm not taking any money from the from the company. What mm-hmm. I did was I got the best quote from the from the the suppliers." and and got money back from them so i did right by the company i did right by myself why am i being penalized for this and we had explained that no if if you weren't taking a kickback from the supplier then the supplier would be giving a, a better price to the to the to to the company and the company would be saving money but they had a real difficult time understanding uh that concept um and it resulted in the removal of the entire, the, the whole, the three departments from the company. Wow. They had to start from scratch, yeah.
1: Well, you can, I mean, even just talking about it, you can understand why there'd be confusion. Yeah. Um, you know, who does it harm, really? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's what people are thinking. Well, why does it harm anybody?
2: Right. Know? Right. But ultimately, for, I mean, we have uh, U.S. companies working overseas as well as European com- companies. We have the, the, um, uh, we have regulations that state that we can't operate in, in, in what they call an unethical, by our standards in the United States, an ethical manner. And kickbacks is one of the things that uh, mm. um, uh, that, that are not allowed to occur. So that, that's in contrast with, with U.S. laws and regulations. And therefore, a U.S. company overseas can be severely penalized if their employees uh, are involved in any type of kickback schemes, particularly if there's a government entity involved.
1: For Sure. Okay, Chris, we need to take a quick break. Um, Chris McElhinney will be right back after commercial break. This is fascinating.
0: (laughs) The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Listening to PI's Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to FRANCIE at PI's Now, here's Francie Kaler.
1: Chris McElhinney is a private investigator based in Argentina and is an expert in conducting investigations in Latin America. We're talking about core values and ethics today, the guiding principles that uh, dictate what we do and the way we act. And Chris, I'm just wondering, what is the worst case you can think of that you ever ran across uh, of an ethical violation?
2: Well, I I can tell you one that uh, that, that actually... um, it, it it touched me directly. I, I, we did a we did a due diligence investigation for a client. Um, this started off as a simple due diligence for a client um, uh, for a person in in a country in Latin America. Again, I don't want to go into specifics, and you'll find out why mm-hmm. here in a second. But um, this this individual, um, they gave me a passport number and the, and the individual's name, and we did the the background on them. And uh, the due diligence we sent it back, and it turns out that the the passport number did not match the individual. So. We, we forwarded our report to the client, and immediately the client calls me, and he says, I'm on a flight. I'll be there. I'll see you tomorrow. I said, well, we can discuss this wow. over the phone. What's, what's the need to come all the way down here? The, the, the client was in Europe. So he arrives, and he sits down uh, in my office, and he sits across from me and says, well, here's the deal. He says, uh, I knew that this wasn't good. I, I thought this was taken care of because my uh, – my my partner, the the individual he did the background on, is my partner, and um, he bought a uh, uh, an identity several years ago, and we were we're checking on this because we are um, getting ready to bring our company to the United States. It was a European company, uh-huh. bring it to the United States, and we want to file for an IPO and all, all sorts of things. But we have this hanging over our head, and I said, "Well, it's something pretty big hanging over your head if he bought a an identity <laughs> from somebody, yeah." So he, uh, he proceeded to uh, tell me that he needed to fix the situation, and I asked what he meant by fixing the situation. And he says, well, you know, we're talking uh, this country, Latin America, we all know things can be done. So he said, um, I need you to find a judge that will put this number uh, to my client's uh, real identity or my partner's real identity. And he says, well, for that, I, I guarantee the, the judge a million dollars and you'll get a million dollars to do it. Really? Yeah. And I proceeded to throw him out of my office and told him I never wanted to see him again. Um, because, uh, I, I can just, I mean, obviously that, that went right. completely against hundred percent. My values, mm-hmm. my core, uh, ethics. Um, and, uh, uh, he continued to call me for a couple of uh, months until he got the message that I wanted nothing to do with him. I, uh, as a matter of fact, he uh, he sent a, a check for the uh, initial due diligence, which I I shred. Uh, um, and Hi. then, I, of course, I did. I um, I spoke with the authorities in, in the United States, appropriate ones, to so let them know that if you get a passport coming in with this name, um, beware.
1: Interesting. So, um. That was. So, uh, I'm sure he must have found somebody to do it for him. I, I've never heard from him or the company again. So,
2: and I, I've never seen the company um, go. I've actually checked to see if they're in the United States, and if they are, they're under a different name. Um, but um, it 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 just was something that was so so far against my my values and my my ethics. But you know, had he gone to some other person in that same country, mm-hmm. um they would have done it for him. I'm sure they would have done it for him. We get we get comments all the time where we get people come in and say, hey, look, I need you to tap into this person's phone. And I say, well, right. we, we don't do that. Well, then you must not be a good investigator. There are other people that do this, and, and so I'll go to them. I say, well, take your business to them. Um, because we're not gonna get caught up in something that, that's illegal. I, mm-hmm. I will say, I spent 15 years working for the government. I don't want to spend my retirement in jail. <laughs> you know.
1: In a government facility. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So, uh,
1: but we, but we get those uh, probably
2: at the tune of every other month. You get people uh, uh, who who test your ethics and your values, uh, um, well, and that's why that's it's important true. to stay 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 strong on them.
1: And I think probably the uh, private investigation and legal business probably gets confronted with that more than most types of businesses. Yeah, because people yeah. think you can do just about anything. Yeah, but on the other hand, though, I mean, every company, um, every company really needs to have uh, to harness their core values to to make sure they're on the right track. Yeah, you know, I mean, we used to laugh um, when doing workplace investigations (laughs) that we should have part of the employee manual to say uh, you shouldn't steal. (laughs) <laughs> it's not yeah, okay to yeah. steal, and it sounds ridiculous in the United States. But I can see how this applies to people that have never been exposed to this before.
2: Yes, very definitely. And there's there's people of all different levels of morals. We we, we had one case that, that this case sticks with me is 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 probably the the saddest and. Uh, um, case that, that we've ever done and this is we were doing a case for a pharmaceutical company and they they had their products that were being counterfeit and so mm-hmm. um we we made some we made purchases of uh of some of the products and they were indeed counterfeit so i met with one of the uh, the counterfeiter in kind of an undercover capacity and, and i basically came up with a story saying hey, look you know i need to buy these products to uh, i i am the buyer for Five pharmacies in one country, and three pharmacies in another. And I need to buy these products, and I really don't care if they're counterfeit or not. Um, I just need a good price on them. And the response really almost knocked me off my seat because the gentleman said to me, "Well, you know, the deal." And I use gentleman and <laughs> very loosely, <laughs> okay, because he said to me, he said, um, "You know, those products that you're, you you want to counter that you want to purchase, they sell on the market for like two dollars a piece." He said. If you really want to earn some money, he says, you're, you're aiming at the wrong products. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, where you need to be aiming are the, the oncological medicine for children. And I said, what? And he said, oh, yeah. He said, some of those pills run about $1,500 a dosage unit, and I can get you something that looks similar to that
1: wow. for
2: about $50 a dosage unit. And he says, and in the end, the kids are going to die anyway, so what's the difference? Oh
1: my goodness!
2: Now I took every every bone in my body and every uh, uh, not to jump over the table and just uh, and and light into this this individual because it was just the the most disgusting human being that I had ever sat in front of. Huh. Um, and as you know, as I, we terminate the investigate or terminate the meeting, he said to me, oh, "You know, by the way, if you want," he says, "I can get you anything you want. You can get you marijuana. I can get you cocaine. Get you whatever you need." And so I walked away from the table and went back to my client and I said, hey, look, this is a situation that just happened. Um, and, and they said to me, well, my, my client said to me, look, we don't want to pursue this any further because the other drugs they're mentioning have nothing to do with us. So there's no reason for us to pursue it. Right. So I requested permission from them. I said, well, do you mind if I work this on my own? Uh-huh. And they, they said, not at all. So I, I took it to the authorities. Um, and the, the people are in jail right now. They're, they actually they they sold uh, they sold cocaine to a, to an undercover officer, and mm-hmm. um, and they're in jail. But I, I'll tell you, it, I mean, I made a point of going to the jail later on and, and facing the guy and saying, "Look at this face. It was me. I'm the guy that put you here because I couldn't believe that somebody would would be so low, would go so low as to 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 prey on." children, first uh-huh. of all, or on the parents of the children that, uh, that, you know, are working so hard and so desperate to, to, to save their kids' lives
1: for well, anything
2: and, and to have them
1: counterfeit these products. And even, I mean, the pharmaceuticals alone are really, counterfeit pharmaceuticals alone are really scary. Yeah. But, but how do they, I mean, they really think it's okay to do this? And what, well, what excuses do they have?
2: Well, to him, he said, I, "They're manufacturing it. They're not selling it. They don't care. All they're after were the money." So, um, and that's what we have. You have somebody with no values, and I, and I, and you can't you can't base that on somebody's culture or background. I think there's just some people in this world uh, who have no morals and no values, and
1: and, mm-hmm.
2: and unfortunately, we we see these people show up now and again.
1: Well, mm-hmm. and and it's so interesting because you know. Um, we think we operate on uh, the same standards, <laughs> you know. Yeah, particularly, yeah, yeah. particularly in the United States, we think we are operating on the same standards. But that's just not true. It's yeah. uh, if, follow the money, right? Is what yeah. they always say. If it's, uh, it's going to make your profit, then anything's okay.
2: That's how some people believe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's uh, that's a sad story. What yeah. what. Uh, what else have you run into well I mean you know it 's funny because
2: in, in, um, a lot of times in the counterfeit market, you find a lot of strange things we We actually ran into counterfeit baby milk and powdered chocolate, and luckily they're innocuous items in the sense that there was what what they put in them was was not poisonous but it, it just seems that people um, uh, have different values. <laughs> Um, yeah. And and we'll knock off anything. But uh, in, in terms of the ethics, I mean, w- w- we see uh, we we see a lot of the kickbacks and a lot uh, in the corporate world, right? Yeah, a lot of kickbacks right. and, uh, and 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 non understanding of of what companies
1: see as their core values. So mm-hmm. um, well, and if the people at the top are doing it, then right. they can't expect uh, the employees, the line employees. Not to be operating in the same manner
2: right and and part of the thing too is is a lot of times the the you know companies when they open a subsidiary overseas they 're far away from their their um, th- their home office and and so you have a choice to make too you can hire somebody that's from your from from like your country office and send them over to a new place to run run the uh the, the new new country to run the new operation, or you can hire somebody locally who would know the the ins and outs and of of the uh, the local market,
1: uh-huh. and it's a
2: hard decision to make because on the one hand um, you really want somebody that knows the market where you're you're moving into um, so that you can be successful in doing the business there, but on the other hand you really want somebody who is aligned to your core values and 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 ethics in order to. Uh, to make sure that they're upheld wherever wherever you are overseas. So mm-hmm. it, it's a difficult it's a difficult combination to find, and it's a difficult uh, decision to make for these companies when opening an office
1: overseas. For sure. Well, Chris, Chris what are the core values of your business? I mean, well, have, do you actually have something written down, or or is it just part of your your being?
2: Well, it's part of my being because, uh, but but we do have we do have um, our own set of values. Uh, that that we've we've set up in our company, um, the, and we require that all of our all of our employees read the values and sign off on the values uh, on a um, uh, on a, on a yearly basis. Uh-huh. It's, it's we call it our code of ethics. Okay, and uh, I, I have it. I can read off. Oh, please do. Is. That would be okay. great. That we're committed to providing the highest level of investigative and security consulting services to the clients in accordance with the strong principles of business ethics. Now, we sit down and we actually we we go through what we consider business ethics um, for all of our employees as well. So,
1: okay, and what and what would that be?
2: That w- that would be. First of all, upholding all laws and regulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, just because something's legal in one country doesn't mean that it's ethically correct or right to do. Um, so uh, sometimes um, we will, we will, well, not sometimes. We'll always err on the on the the uh, side of ethics over legality. Um, and by by this, I mean. For example, there, there may be a medicine that's legal to sell, but is it really ethical to sell? Or there may be mm-hmm. a, 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 a product that's, that's legal to sell that, that's, that goes against what our core values are. We have, for example, I'm, my core values are, are um, anti-legalization, just because that's me. I worked on the drug laws for so long, so I, I uh-huh. was approached by a legalization um, um, association and asked me to join. And and assist them with with uh, with um, supporting their cause. And I I, I said, no. It just it went across. It goes against my personal ethics and values. It's legal, yes. It's legal, Mm -hmm. Uh, particularly in
1: uh, because this was in Colorado. It's legal. So you wouldn't be involved with the medical marijuana. (laughs) Firm. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. And, and again, this is my personal ethics. I'm not trying to make a judgment on anybody else, uh-huh. but this is me. I fought against this. I saw so many people injured and and harmed, uh, and, and I I just couldn't do it. So, um, so how do you convey that
1: to your employees?
2: Well. Uh, First of all all, all, all investigations that we take on and we do, I mean, I'm the one that I'm the decision maker on whether we take it on or not. So that, okay. that's easy. It's one simple focal focal point. But we we do checks and balances on all of our our investigators. Um, we, you know, we'll ask them to do something, but we'll, we'll ask them to do it in a legal and ethical manner. And we'll make sure that it's done on a legal and ethical matter because we, we do all the research to find out what is legal and what's in, in, a, in a country prior to a, prior to asking anyone to do anything for us. Um, Again, any information can be obtained in most countries, but there's only only certain information can be obtained legally and ethically. So we make sure that we do the research beforehand. Again, uh, on a a yearly basis, we make them sit down, we go over, and we... we, um, we meet with our, all of our investigators, not only, not only the local ones, but also our, the resources that we use in the field um, that may not be our employees directly. We make them sign, a, um, uh, read and sign and agree to our, 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 uh, our business ethics and practice as well. Um,
1: oh, interesting.
2: Yeah, because, I've never heard
1: of anybody doing that. That's interesting. Yeah
2: we do and we meet with them once a year to make sure that they are are doing so because here's here's the problem is is if we don't do that then if our if our employees acting in an, an unethical ethical manner that may ref- that not only reflect on our company, and you know mm-hmm. you're only as good as as your last job. So if right you know if you do something that reflects poorly on on your company, you're gonna have a problem. But what we certainly don't want is any of our clients that we represent being a front page of a newspaper for an ethical violation somewhere, and it's our fault. Mm-hmm. Um, that can bring down our clients as well as our company, and uh, and you know I'm, we're, we're very conscious of this, and so. We make sure that all of our employees are operating in a, a legal and ethical manner. And I'll get people, uh, I'll get even our own, our, our own subcontractors sometimes will say to me, you know, Chris, we can do this, but, you know, it can't be done the way that you want us to do it. And I said, then don't do it. Don't do okay. it. Don't put yourself in a situation and don't put us in a situation in which we're all going to
1: get in trouble for something that, it, that um, you know, should not happen, so. Interesting. Very interesting. So, um, so have you ever terminated one of your of your employees for violating one of your core values? I have.
2: We have. We've terminated. Uh, when I it actually wasn't an employee, but it was a, a subcontractor. We've terminated oh. one. Yeah, and it turns out it was it wasn't even for us. It was it, they were violating it for another client, and then they came back and told us that they could do the same for us. And I said, no, not not a chance. And we mm-hmm. we terminated them. And it was it, it was a. Uh, we actually had an ongoing contract with a, with a client in that area, so it was real difficult to have to replace that person at that particular time, but there was just no choice. Tro- I mean, there was no, uh, there was no option. There was, yeah. there was no second thoughts on that. We just did it.
1: Well, and, and once, you know, even if they said they would never do it again, once you have that uncomfortable feeling, you can't yeah. go back.
2: Right. If you can't trust the people that, that you're doing business with, you shouldn't be doing business with them.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. So, um, how do you, I mean, so your value, your basic value is uh, ethical practices. Do you have others? Well, you know, we, we need to take a break before we get into that. So, yeah. don't go away. More to come okay. from Chris.
0: Listening to PI's Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to FRANCIE at PI's Now, here's Francie Kaler.
1: We've been talking about core values in the workplace. Are you displaying negative core values to those who work with you or work uh, for you? Identifying and applying clear fundamental principles to the work we do provides an unwavering and changing guide. So, um, Chris, offline we were just talking about a company that sends um, sends people out to train their investigators. Is this on counterfeiting uh, issues? Well, it's on counterfeiting and other issues, and, that, and what it is is this company, unfortunately, was involved in a
2: big scandal, a scandal because of an ethical violation. Um, it was actually not, um, not their doing. They hired somebody to do work. It happened to be an investigator, and the private investigator um, did something that was illegal, uh, and the next thing you know, it was on the front page of every newspaper. Um, it was a huge scandal seen pretty much worldwide. So mm-hmm. the company decided that uh they they could have no part of that. It was actually more detrimental. It hurt their brand more than had the uh the activity that they were investigating just continued and 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 hurt them financially. So uh they decided that it was uh in their best interest to go out and train all the investigators uh that they work with and and what they felt was ethical behavior. Um and it was, it was really kind of eye-opening. This, uh, we, we started dealing with this company about seven years ago, and that was kind of eye-opening for me because... And, and that's where this whole uh, realization of the different cultural aspects really... I mean, I was aware of it, but this really surfaced because in conversations with some of the investigators during the training, they said, well, you know, we can do this in our country. Um, why can't we do it in your, your, uh. in your investigations? Uh-huh. For example, an investigative technique that we utilize in the United States is trash runs. Well, we we'll right. go in and we'll pull somebody's trash. Well, the company says that their, their level of ethics are they don't believe that people should be invading other people's privacy by doing trash runs.
1: Uh-huh.
2: So they said, if you're going to work with us, our ethics and our values state that you cannot do trash runs. And some of the people in in the audience said, "Well, this is this is it's illegal to do." They said, "Yes, but ethically, we don't we don't want you to do that." Mm-hmm. And so it, it was a it was a good um, I think it's a very very good practice, and I think it can be something that it's sh- something that should be adopted by many other companies to make sure that people are actually doing what they ask them to do and doing it in a, a way that, that
1: is aligned with the ethics and morals of a company. Exactly. What other kinds of things do they train on that in that training session?
2: Uh, well, I mean, we talked about kickbacks, and we talked about mm-hmm. uh, um, different techniques utilized. And, and, for example, one of the things uh, as well is uh, um, in some countries, it's legal to video or take pictures within a, a store as long as it, ha- it has an open door. In other words, if it's, if, if it's, if it's a private office, no, but if it's a... If you can walk into the store and uh, it has a door mm-hmm. to the street, then you then in that in some countries it's legal to to video uh, tape the interior of it. Well, the client says, "Well, that's somebody's private property, so even if it's used for a public uh, um, enterprise, we shouldn't be filming it." So that's another issue that they decided uh, should not be. It, it goes against their ethics. So. Um, We we did case-by-case scenarios. Also, a huge issue is paying police. Um, In many many countries, particularly in underdeveloped countries, uh, police have no resources. So um, a lot of times they ask you to pay uh, to assist them in raids. Um, Uh Uh We obviously do not. We're not involved in doing that. It's illegal. uh, Under the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, you cannot pay police officers for doing their job. So, um, it, it, you know, they say, well, what, what can you do? Uh, and uh, actually, we've been involved in a lot of raids in which instead of paying the police because you can't do that, we'll, we'll, we'll provide the resources. We'll actually rent a bus to bring the police to the raid facility. We'll rent trucks to carry off uh, away all the, the counterfeit products and hire people to help lift them and buy the bags that the, the, the counterfeit products go into. Um, mm mm-hmm. So um, that's uh, a big uh, ethical boundary. That's and that, that one's actually set by the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, so it's, in, it's by law. You can't pay police, but it's a big issue because most places say, well, the police won't go unless they, they earn money. Um, another thing we do is is, is uh, it's hard to, a lot of times, motivate police in different countries because they expect to be paid. But we don't pay them, but what we will do is we'll at the end of uh, any type of a, um, a raid or assignment that we do, we'll provide them with a plaque and a plaque thanking them for their mm-hmm. job we'll We'll let them take hundred percent of the credit for any type of action uh, that occurs we don't we, we, we don't have a big enough ego that we have to come out and say, yeah we did it We'd rather have the police get the credit for doing yeah, it
1: right uh, so let me ask you chris what if what if uh, police department say some foreign police department had a uh agency policy that uh, required payment for services rendered. For example, um, in the United States, if you subpoena a police officer for a civil case, you have to pay for their time. Right. Or if you, um, if you have escorts for a funeral, for example, you have to pay for their time. So what if they have a policy like that?
2: Well, under the, the, the Foreign Crop Practices act if, it's act, if it's a regulated if it's a regulated activity where there is a, a required payment by the police force and it does not violate any U.S. law, then you're okay to do it. Um, mm-hmm. where, where it gets kind of sketchy is, say, if there's, if there's no... Um, if there's no regulated activity, uh, one of the ones that comes to mind are uh, bodyguard services or services for uh, security of an event that's a private event. Uh, uh-huh. Having a party at a, a client's house and they need 20 police officers to, uh, or they need bodyguards, and they, they hire tw- tw- 20 police officers to be the bodyguards or hire people to do the security in the uh, around the um, the event. And, and right. th- that, that's kind of a sketchy area because um, you can't pay a police officer for for doing what the government pays a police officer to do. Mm-hmm. Now, if he's mm-hmm. off duty and there's a policy by the by the police agency that they can work off duty and be uniformed and carrying a weapon or carry a weapon and not be uniformed, then uh, and there's no violation with the uh, with the U.S. law on that, then, then you're OK. But if not, then it's it's you're in violation of the Foreign Corrupt Practices
1: Act and and you can be prosecuted for doing it. Interesting. Huh. So So, um, so they come in. So this company uh, comes in um, to your business or do they have uh, a set training session where a number of people can come to? How does that work? No, they
2: came into uh, they, when we came on as a supplier for them. They said w- we want to train your people.
1: Okay, and,
2: and so they came in and we brought in all the people that, that were going to be working on the project. Which at that time we there were almost seventy people that we had that we brought in because um, it's, it's a major product uh, project all throughout Latin America. Okay. And they uh, they held a a two day training session. One day of which was um, ethics and values, and the other day was. Uh, investigative techniques that were in alignment with those ethics and values
1: uh-huh. um,
2: and what's allowed and what's not allowed so it was, it was very good and and that really uh, was eye open an eye opener for us, and we started adopting and and bringing in our people that work that are working on other projects as well uh-huh. uh, and we make sure that we train our people in our ethics so initially, what we did was we um, we brought the uh, the people in one day earlier. And uh, all of our people one day earlier, and then we piggybacked on theirs, um, uh, having our training the day before theirs.
1: But, um, but now we, we, we set up meetings with all our people once a year to, to train them. That's great. And I bet pretext is one of the topics.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, pretext is, is big, yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it be, that, that, that's, a, that's a huge issue in a lot of countries, so... Um, We we do speak about that a lot.
1: Yeah, certainly a big issue here in the United States. And I would think that with a company that is um, doing counterfeit and anti-privacy, that would be a big deal, too.
2: Yeah, um, it it is. It is. And, and for example... um, we there's well I, I can't really get into specifics on this one. And, right, and I know. <laughs> I, I was I was going to give you an example, but it would have it would have yeah. been very very specific to this uh, to the activity. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, it, it's it would be easy to get somebody um, uh, to, 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 confused to to actually counterfeit something for you as opposed to uh, going after somebody that's uh, that's. Um, that's already counterfeiting, so it, it blurs the lines a bit. A lot of times with the pretext, and that makes it um, makes it uh, very dangerous in use for uh, counterfeiting work. So,
1: for sure. So, uh, what advice would you have um, for a private investigator starting their own company and uh, setting up their um, identifying their core values and setting up their their process?
2: Well, I think you need to start first by examining yourself. What are you willing to do and what are you not willing to do? Um, and you need to set those those ideas and write them down. I mean, what what do you think is important to you? What value do you think you can you can bring to your clients? Um, and 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 um what your what your business practice uh sh- should be like. You need to write it down. You also also, I mean, one good measure is thinking, you know, whatever you do in work, if it was plastered on the front page of a newspaper the, the following day, uh, would it make you feel good or would you? Would it make you feel bad? Mm-hmm. Um, and if there's something that you're doing business-wise that would make you feel bad, you might not want to be doing that. You might want to reconsider because um, right. that, that's what can get you in trouble. But I think once you understand your own solid goals and values first, then you have to develop your business, business values around those. Um, and, and, and then make sure that all your people are aware of them, um, all the people that you work with.
1: Cause people and, you know, are- I'll, I'll bet you that probably 90% of the companies across the country do not do that.
2: I agree with you. I, I mean, I can tell you, I did not do that necessarily from the, from day one. Um, you know, when you're setting up your own business, particularly in the beginning, you're worried about office space, you're worried about paying people, uh-huh. you're worrying about all the administrative stuff, the licensing and everything. And the last thing you're thinking about is, well, my core values. But I think that's, right. unfortunately, I think it's one of the first things you should look at. And when we when we sat down and it did define them, um, it really went from being us you know myself and my partner to being a company um uh it that it was a big transition that uh, was a trans- transition moment so
1: well you know it, it really is it's really it's such a, a fascinating idea and i don't know why this, <laughs> this sounds so unusual to me but, but it's a fascinating idea i certainly never did it i mean y- you you operate like you always operate, and I certainly never sat down and thought about, okay, how how do I want to operate, and right. what kind of values do I want to have, and what kind of ethics? I just did it,
0: right? And, right, right. and
1: I think that's probably what happens to most people.
2: <laughs> I, I, I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. But it's a it's a defining moment once you do decide to do it, though. It's a, it's it's interesting. At least it, it was a game changer for us.
1: Yeah. Well, very, very good. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to share your ideas with us today. This has been uh, really valuable, I think, and uh, it's an important topic. And we're almost to the end of our show here. So uh, if you're interested in advertising on PIs Declassified, you can contact my wonderful producer of this show, Sondra Rogers, at r o g e r s at voiceamerica.com. And don't forget my great sponsors, um, PI Magazine and um, IRB Search. So tune in again next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators like Chris. And thank you, Chris. It's uh, my PIS pleasure. Declassify. I'm Francie Kayler. Thanks for listening.
0: You've been listening to PI's Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler.